to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11. And as we go to Hebrews 11, maybe you have a memory verse to share with us this morning. Anybody? Joyce. Amen. All right. With God, all things are possible. Anyone else? Janie. Amen. He's prepared for them a city. Hebrews 11. Great verses. All right. Anybody else? Oh, sorry, Jody. Go ahead. have one too all right good somebody else I thought I saw anybody else okay well um, David would you grab the bag for me and and pass it around we got a whole bunch of new stuff in there now of chocolates. Well, let's go to lesson four, page 17, Hebrews chapter 11. And as we turn there to these places in the Bible, we'll be seeing some things concerning faith and our front cover of our book. By the way, anyone need a book? Got a book if you need one. Uh, the front cover of our book shows the picture of who we're talking about today. Uh, this is quite a picture of faith when you are taking a knife with the possibility of slaying your son, all right? And so uh, that's that's quite a, a faith picture, an example of what faith is. And so uh, having faith in God, Hebrews chapter 11 is where we're at. And uh, if you don't need a book, I've got two up here. If you need one, let me know. But Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to look at verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so by faith, we please God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. All right? So the faith of Abraham, we're looking at the faith of Abraham. And verse 8 says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. And verse 9 says, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed. And she was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. 
Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called according excuse me accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence also we received him in a figure so we see here the faith of Abraham and Sarah as well and so uh, as we get started I'll read page 17 to live by faith is the requirement of the Christian life it's not an option it's just a requirement it's what we are expected to do our faith in salvation in Christ is the only way we're saved and then once we're born again we walk by faith not by sight that's just the only way it works and if you're not doing that you're not really ever going to be satisfied with your life you're never going to be happy uh with who you are because you'll be you'll be conflicted you'll have this old nature and new nature and the new nature is not doing what it was designed to do and that is to live by faith no one can come to the Lord except by faith, and there is no way to live the Christian life apart from faith. In fact, as we read in verse 6, it's impossible to please God without faith. And if you're a creature of God, and everyone in here is, then you will never be satisfied in your heart until you know you're pleasing your Creator. This is what the whole world, the unsaved world, is looking for. This is what they're chasing after. And that's that satisfaction of doing and being what they're supposed to be. Why am I here? What's the purpose of my life? And so it's impossible to please God without faith. We consider now the man Abraham, and we look at what it says in these passages, verses 8 and following, uh, concerning Abraham. Notice verse 8 says, by faith. Verse 9 says, by faith. Verse 17 says, by faith. The Lord appoints and points us to the life of Abraham, and that's why I think he's pictured on the cover of our book because uh, of this illustration. This, and there's so many verses in chapter 11 just about Abraham. Um, and he points us to this life of Abraham so that we might witness his expression of faith, which is in that picture on the front cover of willingly, being willing to offer Isaac his son, who he had waited so many years for. His faith in God, and look beyond Abraham's faith to the one in whom he placed his faith in, and that was the Lord God Almighty, to, to recognize that it's not just Abraham's faith, but who Abraham's faith was in. The box says faith is placing our soul's confidence in the character of God. I know God well enough to trust him. Isn't that probably the problem? We don't really know God very well, so we can't trust him when he gives us something to do. But Abraham knew God so well that he knew, and that's why verse 19 says, this is what verse 19 says, accounting that God, was able to raise him up even from the dead from whence also he received him in a figure. In other words, Abraham knew that God's going to have to raise Isaac back up because God's already promised me that Isaac would be the father of the multitude. My son would then have a multitude of children as well. And so if Isaac dies, God's going to have to do something. 
God's going to have to fix that because he promised me that Isaac, in Isaac, thy seed would be called. So Abraham had, or had enough confidence in God that when God gave him a real challenge, he knew God would handle it. Notice what the Bible says of Abraham in James chapter 2, a few pages over. James chapter 2 and verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up Isaac his son upon the altar? Seeing then how that faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect. And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see then how that works, by works a man is justified and not by faith only. Now, some people try to say, see, that proves that it's not just salvation by grace, but you have to have works. No, because if you'll just stop and think about it for a minute, Abraham started believing in God back when, when he was a younger man. Abraham was promised from God that he would have a son in his 80s, 75, 80 years old. He didn't actually have that son until he was 100 years old. So Abraham was believing God for at least a couple decades before he ever exercised the work of offering Isaac as an offering. And so understand that Abraham's work proves that Abraham had faith, but it wasn't instantaneous faith works together, and that's how come he was considered saved. No, Abraham was, was faithful long before he had opportunity to prove it. And when you're saved, you're saved. But maybe God's still trying to get you to grow up in your salvation so that you'll finally exercise some faith that will prove to the rest of the world around you that you really are saved. I wonder if there's something in your life right now that's just a clear evidence to everybody else in your world that you're a Christian, that you have faith in God. You know what? When you take your son up and offer him as as a sacrifice on an altar and you're willing to raise a knife and plunge it into your son and take his life, I think you're pretty much proving that you have faith in God. And then when God grants that faith by not allowing it to happen, that just makes you and your son a whole lot stronger in your faith. You think Abraham and Isaac walked down off of the mountain that day a whole lot stronger in their faith? Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I think Isaac was pretty impressed with Abraham and Abraham's God. Uh, and, and it says he was called a friend of God. They were so close in communication and communion that they were friends. That's because you walk by faith, and that's how you get close to God. Genuine faith is anchored in the Lord. <clears throat> to Abraham, God revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh. Genesis twenty-two fourteen. After Abraham offered Isaac, he called the name of the place Jehovah Jireh. That's Genesis twenty-two fourteen, And the word Jehovah Jireh means God will provide. Jehovah is God. Jireh is God sees, God who sees. I'm going to turn there and read that. We'll be back in Genesis 22 before this is done because this is the whole story. Genesis 22 is the story. I know our book says Genesis 17, 1, and honestly, I, I think the it's the wrong verse. I think it's 22, 14. So in Genesis 22, 14, here's what you find. And Abraham called the name of that place, Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. And the word Jehovah Jireh means God will provide. And and I preached this before. Why in the world, if if it if it says the, in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen? 
and why does why does it say God will provide? How does provide and seeing go together? And they go together very well, because the whole idea of provide comes from the idea of pro video, pro video. All right, pro something is advanced, pro seeing, provision. When someone makes provision for you, they planned ahead. Providing is because someone planned ahead. And God who sees ahead says, even if Abraham kills his son, I will bring him back to life. That's providing. And if you're going to walk by faith, you're going to learn pretty soon that God provides. Where God guides, he provides. God wants me to do this, he's going to have to pay for it. God wants me to do this, he's going to have to make a way. And you learn to recognize that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is the God who provisions oh but I don't know how we're going to get through and I don't know how this is going to happen that's okay he sees it if he's telling you to do it he's already found a way to do it he's already seen to it that it will happen he has made provision where you can't see the vision and uh, and so to Abraham God revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh the God who provides God promised Abraham that he and his wife Sarah would have a son and God kept his word In chapter 18 of Genesis, we're going to spend some time in Genesis, but chapter 18 of Genesis, we see this. Mrs. Spear, I think, was the one that quoted Matthew 19, 26. For with God, all things are possible. Genesis 18, 14. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? That's a good question. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? God will provide but 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 lord when you first told told me i was going to have a son i was like 70 or 80 some years old that was that was a stretch even at 70 or 80 but now you're telling me at 100 years old you're saying that sarah is at 90 years old sarah was having a hard time believing it where god guides he provides is there anything too hard for the lord so we're gonna look at the three points today on page 18 and 19 abraham's obedience Abraham's obedience. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. Abraham obeyed in the simple the simple uh, directive to just go. That comes from Genesis 12. Genesis chapter 12 and says in verse 1, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation. And I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And they left the place of Haran where his family was at. And his lot, his his nephew Lot went with Abram. Verse five took Sarah his wife, Lot his brother's son, and they went forth to go. Verse five to the land of Canaan, into the land of Canaan they came. And so Abram goes to what's called the promised land. He leaves his family, he leaves his home, takes his wife, his nephew apparently wanted to go with, and he obeys God. <clears throat> He goes to a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, and he obeys. Abraham obeyed God. He sensed this call from God in his soul. He was awakened, and he followed the Lord. Think of Abraham's conversion this way. 
he came out from a heathen civilization placing his faith in the living God and 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 that required obedience Abram obeyed God and when you get saved you're going to come out from a previous lifestyle you're going to come out from a previous thought process a previous uh, heathen civilization to something new and that's that's what happens when you get saved you start to obey and follow God God's calling us to believe him in this unbelieving world and when you get saved you start to think differently act differently and you start to conduct yourself and do things differently and go a different direction than the way maybe your unsaved loved ones or unsaved co-workers or neighbors are going god deals with us when we are surrendered by people who who do not have faith excuse me god god deals with us when we are surrounded by people who do not have faith in him he deals with us there are people we're surrounded with just like abraham surrounded by people who don't get it lot's dad wasn't mentioned there anybody else mentioned they not only do not have faith in him they speak out against him and sometimes totally ignore him and maybe make fun of the people who are moving forward but we're called to follow him to obey him to demonstrate his reality by our words and deeds and you know it's hard it's hard enough to to be convinced yourself that this is the right thing to do but it can be really hard to convince your spouse, to convince your wife who, who is supposed to follow, but follow where? He says, we're moving. Moving where? We're just going where God's led me to go. But what are we going to do there? And who do we know there? And why should we go there? Why are we doing this? I don't know what kind of conversation there was, but Sarah had to exercise faith too. In fact, back up in Genesis 18, this had been many years after they moved to the land of Canaan, the promised land, and they still hadn't had a, ch- a child. And God visits Abraham and Sarah. In Genesis 18, verse 9, And they, they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent, these are three visitors that came, strangers that came to visit with Abraham. These strangers were actually heavenly strangers. It was probably Jesus himself and maybe two angels because it was the two angels that were sent into Sodom uh, to rescue Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah. But here we see Jesus talking with Abraham, God himself talking with Abraham. And he says in verse 9, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age and it ceased to be with sarah after the manner of women therefore sarah laughed within her she was i think 90 years old or close to 90 years old at this time therefore sarah laughed within herself saying (laughs) excuse me how many 90 year olds do we have today delmer's 90 he ain't gonna have a baby whether he's a man or a woman at age 90 all right it just unless god does it it ain't happening now, Abraham and Sarah were, were old and well-stricken in age that ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham. Now, she says this in her heart. She hears the conversation. She might have put her hand on her mouth and said, I don't know who this guy is, but this is crazy. And she's laughing at the idea. 
Verse 13, And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And Sarah, being a typical human being, realizing this man just read her thoughts, he just heard her thoughts, said in verse 15, Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, which is pretty funny. Because obviously she's listening to the conversation. And uh, for she was afraid, and he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. You laughed. You, you thought what I said was funny. And she could only ponder this because no doubt she thought to herself, this, this person could read my thoughts. And even though I was too proud to admit I was, I was laughing at what he said, I know he's right. And if he can read my thoughts, maybe he can make me to have a child when I didn't think it was possible, my husband and I. And so I believe that Sarah began to start to have faith in God as well that she probably was encouraged by Abraham's faith and then the fact that this person who I think she realized was God, that God was saying, you will have a son and even if you laugh about it and you can't think it's possible, is there anything too hard for the Lord? And so Sarah's faith in God uh, helped her to obey Abraham. And I believe that Sarah learned to trust Abraham and, and trust what he was going to do with, with, with the future, you know, with, with decisions that they would make. So that when they had the son, and his name was Isaac, which means laughter, you know, going back to the story of her laughing about it. She was, she was obedient to Abraham's obedience. And that's so important. Ladies, if your husband is being led of God, you can either be a blessing or a curse. You can either be an anchor or you can help row. You can be a blessing or not by what you do when he is struggling to obey and to serve God and follow God by faith. Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 that Sarah grew and matured. No doubt after Isaac was born, she really matured. She started to recognize that God was really God and he can keep his word no matter how old you are. First Peter 3, verse 5, it says, For after this manner in old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves, being in subjection unto their own husbands, even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. So we see that Sarah obeyed Abraham and learned to trust Abraham as Abraham followed God. And of course, Sarah had to obey God, but by obeying God, she was obeying and submitting herself to Abraham's decisions and what Abraham was doing. The reason why that's important is because when, when we get to Genesis 22, Abraham offers Isaac as an offering. I don't know that he told Sarah what he was going to do, but I know this, that she probably had some kind of a suspicion what was going on. What are you taking the boy for, and why isn't there any animal going with you? but she followed and obeyed God. And the Bible talks about Sarah's faith as well. She received strength and to conceive seed. She had faith that God could do it, and she believed. So we have Abraham's obedience along with Mrs. Abraham. Then we have Abraham's outlook. In Hebrews chapter 11 again, notice verse 9 and 10. For he looked for a city 
which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. I love this part of Hebrews chapter 11. It's the part that Mrs. Slagle was quoting to us earlier. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about, uh, this is awesome because this isn't just for Abraham, this is for all of us. Verse 10 says, he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. What city is that? It's not just Jerusalem. It's not the earthly Jerusalem we see in the news. No, the Bible speaks of a new Jerusalem, a heavenly city. Verse 11 says, through faith, Sarah herself received strength and she believed, she judged him faithful who had promised, even though she laughed at him and even denied it out of embarrassment, she still believed that what he said was true. And so then verse 12 says, from that one baby sprang a multitude of people. Verse 13 says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. It doesn't matter if it looks impossible. It's, it's doable if God says to do it and we have faith. If God tells you to tell one person about the Lord Jesus Christ and you say, but telling one person about Jesus isn't going to make a difference in the whole world, how do you know? God can multiply one into millions. He did it with Abraham. And Sarah, he did it through Isaac. Let's just obey God and do what we're supposed to do and and be continually soul winning. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. Now this is where we're talking about that heavenly country. And truly if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly. That's you and I. Just like Abraham. We are actually, see Abraham wasn't really satisfied with the promised land the bible tells us right here he was looking for a heavenly city this promised land wasn't really what he was looking for he's looking for a a new world that's what we're looking for now they desire a better country that is in heavenly wherefore god is not ashamed to be called their god for he hath prepared for them a city Uh, i i like uh where i'm at on planet earth but it's it's got problems and i'm thankful that we still can make a difference and choose to an extent in our voting and i'm going to go and vote on tuesday and hopefully others will too and hopefully uh those decisions will be made in the right way and that'll be a wonderful thing but the but the fact is is that there's a better country there's a better country than this one there's a better country That's the one I'm looking forward to. That's the one I spend most of my time thinking about. This this country, no matter what, has, has a destination that isn't nearly as good as the Christian's destination. And the Christian destination is a heavenly country. So I love the picture of Abraham in this story, the illustration of what this is really all about. It says, he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. His outlook was to be a tent dweller, a nomad, a stranger, a pilgrim in that promised land down there, in that temporary land called Canaan. He knew this world was not his home. And that's where that song comes from. What is it, 827? This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And that's exactly Abraham's 
life. It's a picture of that. He was a stranger and a pilgrim. And that's what it says there in verse 12, 13. They confessed they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We're just passing through. We're not so anchored to this old earth that, that we just are desperate. I'm not. No, there's a better country. I'm an ambassador of that country. I'm an ambassador here for that kingdom. The true believer is a stranger to this world, and this world is a stranger to him. However, most people place such deep roots here and behave as if they're going to be here forever. And that's not true. It's a lie. Nobody stays here forever, so why do we place so much emphasis on here? Jesus said, lay not up for yourself treasure on earth. Lay it up in heaven. That's where you're going. That's where you say you're going. Heaven isn't longevity of 90 or 100 years. Heaven's longevity is eternity. What are you investing in? What are you living for? Abraham looked foolish, but he wasn't. Abraham had the right outlook. And the Bible continues by telling us in Hebrews 11, 11, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and she was delivered of a child when she was past age. It, it was impossible. It's past age. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. This is about her relationship with God. She obeyed her husband. And she had the outlook of her husband had. And she found strength in that outlook. And she followed God and followed her husband. And God blessed her and made her a great example of faith even when she was laughing at the beginning and doubting how in the world can this be. So we have Abraham's obedience. We have Abraham's outlook. And uh, before I read the third point, the box says, how wonderful it is to be able to serve the Lord and believe God alongside your mate. You, you can never underestimate how important Mrs. Pastor is here to me. And uh, a pastor has to have a Mrs. Pastor who is really going to be a, a follower of God and a person of faith. And I know good men that are good men, but they didn't necessarily have a great faith lady behind them. But how wonderful it is to serve the Lord. And that's just me, but how, how about all of you? Be a blessing to your mate. Be a blessing to your spouse. Don't be an anchor. I've been reading through the book of Job. Boy, did he have an anchor. Poor guy. Not encouraging at all. But how wonderful it is to serve together and then watch God bless you both together and, and, and to, to reward your faith. So Abraham's obedience, Abraham's outlook, and now Abraham's offering. And so Abraham's offering is those last verses that we read in Hebrews 11. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that received the promises offered up his only begotten son. And we read it in one verse like it's just, eh, no big deal. It was huge. I mean, just look at the front cover of your book. How, how do you do that? Especially if you're old enough to be a grandpa or a great-grandpa. How do you do that? I mean, if I, if I abused my sons in front of my father, my father would probably shoot me because he loves those boys. And, and they would do anything for those boys. 
I mean anything. In fact, not to be embarrassing or anything, but my wife's father got scammed because someone called him and said, Grandpa, this is Sam. I broke my arm. I need some money. It was kind of a it was kind of a silly story, and there's more to it than that, but they thought it was really Sam. And they wired money to Sam for whatever it was. I can't remember what it was, a broken nose or broken arm or something. They called us a few days later and said, how's Sam doing? What do you mean? Well, how's his nose doing? His nose is fine. What are you talking about? You did what? You gave how much money to some? Why? They love them. That's why. I mean, they're not thinking straight. They just jump. Can you imagine then taking your son or your grandson? In this case, it's his son. But he's old enough to be his grandpa. And you're going to offer him as a sacrifice. I mean, that's just, just, just think of the emotions here. Now, it's, now, what's this a perfect picture of? It's a per- perfect picture of Jesus and God the Father offering his son. And God was a friend of Abraham. The Bible says Abraham was a friend of God. And so God is showing Abraham, here's how it feels. <laughs> here's what it's like to take your only son and to offer him. I want you to offer your son. Now remember, if Isaac is cut off, everything that God promises had made already as a promise isn't going to happen because Isaac's not married and he doesn't have any kids. So now if you kill Isaac, how does God keep his promise? There's real testing going on here. So let's go to Genesis 22 and let's appreciate this again. Genesis 22, verse 1. It came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And when we see the word tempt, usually it's a negative for from Satan, and that's bad. But when it's a tempt from God, it's a test, which is a good thing. Tests are, are there to prove whether you know something or not. A test is given to prove whether or not you've learned something or not. And what we're finding out is that Abraham, after lots of mistakes, Abraham passes this test with flying colors. God proves Abraham with what he does here. And said unto Abraham, he said, and Abraham said, behold, here am I, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac. Why does he got to say that? Why do you got to throw that in there? Thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, as if I don't know this, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, he did not he didn't speak to Sarah maybe he did i i'm sure he said something to her but we don't know for sure if she knows what's going on but abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which god had told him then on the third day abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. I don't think anybody knows exactly how old Isaac was at this time. I've read anywhere from, you know, 10 to 40. My guess is he was around 12 years old, maybe a teenager. 
So that would put Abraham at about 112. Obviously still in fairly good shape for 112. And they went both of them together. And Isaac, verse 7, speaks up. Isaac's thinking about something. Something's just not right here. Something's puzzling him. And he speaks up to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood. A few weeks ago, about a month or two ago, we were teaching Abraham and Isaac in our anchor club Wednesday, Wednesday evening. And uh, I don't remember if it was me or one of the other teachers. I can't remember who was teaching. But we said, he's got the fire. He's got the wood. What is he missing? Sapphire said, the barbecue. No, no, no. We got to start over. Sapphire's a goober. But she was just being innocent. But Isaac's doing the same thing. We got the fire. We got the wood. What are we missing? We're missing something, Dad. Because we've done this before. We've we've had plenty of offerings, burnt offerings. But you forgot something. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Can you imagine that question? Can you imagine Abraham's heart? Oh, you know? Oh. But notice what Abraham says. Remember Jehovah Jireh? God will provide. Notice Abraham's answer. Abraham said, verse 8, My son, God will provision. Provision. God sees ahead. Son, God already has a plan. God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. You can't write it any better than that. Did God provide himself a lamb? Yes, he did. And the Bible says in Revelation that from the foundation of the world the lamb was slain my son God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering and that was good enough for Isaac so they went both of them together and they came to the place which God had told him of and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood now hold on I I gotta gotta call a time out here because we read that all in one verse came to the place, built an altar together, laid the wood together on the altar. But then the next part's hard to comprehend. And then bound Isaac, his son. All right. 112, 12. Not only was Abraham obedient, not only was Sarah obedient, but obviously the 12-year-old was obedient too. Because I got a feeling the 12-year-old could outrun the 112-year-old. Doesn't say anything about kicking and screaming. I, w- I want to see a DVD of how this works. When I get to heaven, I want to see how Abraham talked. Don't you think there was tears streaming down his cheeks? Don't you think he was saying, son, I don't totally understand it. But this is what God wants me to do. And to see the boy crying and looking at his, do- his dad, looking, staring at him in, in the eyes, looking at him. And they're both crying. But neither one of them are resisting. And he lays his son upon the wood. And then verse 10, Abraham stretched forth his hand 
and took the knife to slay his son. And boom, right there, the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven. It said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here am I. He said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. I mean, not only is this hard, but this is murder. There's so many things about this that Abraham could justify why he doesn't have to do this. But God told him to, and he was going to obey God, knowing that God would fix it no matter what happened. God would take care of it. God promised that Isaac would be the one through whom the Messiah would come. And if he's dead, that promise can't happen. And God says, take him and offer him. And by faith, Abraham offered his son. And we see how God provided himself a lamb for the offering. In verse 13 then, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. What a coincidence. Of course not. God provided himself a lamb. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place God will provide. Jehovah Jireh. As it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. And don't you think Isaac was staring at that ram and thinking, that could have been me. And that's exactly what we are to do when we look to the Lamb of God. That should have been me. That should have been me, but it was Jesus on the cross instead. Why? Because God provided himself a lamb. Oh, and by the way, talk about coincidence, you know, the ram caught in the thicket. I mean, just a coincidence that the ram happened to be caught in the thicket. Another coincidence, <clears throat> haha. back there in verse 2, it says, in the land of Moriah, on one of the mountains, Mount Moriah in the Old Testament is the same place we call Mount Calvary in the New Testament. I believe it's the exact same spot where Jesus was crucified. Of course, Abraham and Isaac wouldn't have known all that. But that's just cool. If you want to know how I know that, the Bible ties Moriah to that location. We can show you that later, but we're out of time today. Let's finish verse nine, or page 19. Abraham was willing to offer his most precious, most enduring, most beloved only son. What faith? Abraham grew. He had clearer vision of God, an exalted vision of God. The truth is, if God were truly great in our eyes, we would be surrendering more and yielding more to him than we do now. We would yield all to him. If we could see God the way Abraham could see God, if we were a friend of God and walked with God. And so let me challenge you with the understanding that that's what God wants. He wants you to have that same kind of faith. He wants me to have that same kind of faith so that we're not hesitant to just let go of our most prized possession and let God have it. When Abraham submitted to God's trial and didn't resist it, then God ended the trial. God said, I really didn't want what I was asking for. I just wanted to find out if you submitted to me or not. That's over and over again the case. God really doesn't want whatever it is you have. He just wants you. He wants your heart. So the box says, what kind of a Christian life are we building when we are willing to give up so little 
for our great God. What are you willing to give up for your God? Abraham answered that question. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for opportunity to study it together, to see Abraham's faith, and help us to realize this isn't just a story. This is a challenge. This is an example. This is a reminder that you will always take care of those who obey you, but we have to obey you. Help us not to pretend that we didn't hear what you were telling us because that's disobedience. We're hearing what you're trying to tell us and we don't want to hear it because it's a challenge. It's a a test. It's going to be hard. It's going to cost. But help us to listen anyway and then prove that you're right and your way's best. Thank you for Abraham's example. Help us to follow it in Jesus' name. Amen.